Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, this is New Songs Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Brown. In the studio today, we have Ryan Gilchrist, really good friend of mine. I've known him probably 10 plus years. He is a fellow community uh, member of the illustrious Murray um, Society of Musicians. Um, I had met Ryan at an open mic at the Olive doing a cover of Rocket Man, probably one of my favorite covers of his. Um, but I've got him on the show today. He's going to talk about what he's doing now, his influences, and just kind of a mixed bag of other things that I might want to sneak attack on him. But anyways, Ryan, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, how old are you? We've had this discussion. How old are you? I am 32 years old. I'll be 33 in August. 33. See, the longest time, Ryan, I thought you were close to my age. I don't know why. I was like, man, this dude ages so well. I mean, <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm 42 and you're okay. So I'm half shit. I'm old. You know, it's you yeah. know that old dude. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, I, what I, yeah. I just, that was a debate that I just wanted to solve. So now you're from, you're from Marshall County, right? You're not a Murray. Uh, well, I moved to Murray. I was living in Marshall. I was born in Paducah, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I grew up there. Uh, I think it was like fourth grade we moved. And we went to Marshall, started going to Benton. And then uh, just from there, moved to Murray when I started going to college. And then I just kind of fell in love with Murray, kind of the scene and stuff here. I just want to stay close to home. So. What'd, you, uh, what'd you go to college for? <laughs> um, yeah, great question, right? What did you actually go for? <laughs> so uh, I went to college. Um, my major was in organizational communication with a minor in journalism, mass communication, which essentially organizational communication is the breakdown of the structure of an organization and looking at how to maximize uh, potential within mm -hmm. the uh Organization essentially with communication, seeing where the breakdown happens. What so major, be. major, minor, I guess is what I'm wondering. Oh, so like that was my major essentially, more focused on like, I would say, um, interpersonal communication within the workplace and how to maximize that and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, do you have any siblings? I know you have a sister. Okay. Um. Let's see. I, I have a sister. Okay. And like. I have I have steps and halves, but like I consider them all like steps members. and halves. <laughs> I like I got a half sister; it's just her upper body. <laughs> yeah. So I consider like all of them my brothers and sisters, but like I have uh, my sister. I have a step brother. I have a stepsister, and I have two half sisters. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And I'm okay. the oldest, so cool. I feel sorry for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, what was? What was your intro to music? What like what was the first thing that you heard where you were like like wow, like what is what is that? Like what was the what, what did it? What was the the opener for you, I guess? I I guess it's kind of weird. For or me. how how old were you? Let me ask you that. I mean, like my family grew up more like around the radio. And at the time it was like the 90s. And most of the time they would just have it like on pop radio and stuff like that. Um, my, um, mom's side was more like a country side of things. So they played a lot of like a Billy Ray Cyrus. So I remember a lot of hanky oh. <laughs> breaky art and stuff. Oh goodness. Oh man. So like, there's definitely like the hardcore, like pop influence because I went through the whole like pop phase and stuff. Like when I was younger, 
and now I guess that was like my intro to music mm-hmm. was more like the polished commercialized version of music, which I guess is a good thing. Because, like top forty. Oh, dude, yeah, yeah. like okay. Uh, I mean, like put a reference out there. Backstreet Boys, yeah. that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, like that poppy, groovy stuff. Like it just, uh, it's just catchy. And, it, and like as a young person, you're just like, man, this is groovy, and mm-hmm. you can't like really help it. It's marketable to like you know. Absolutely. So, and like getting that out of their system at a young age is nice too, because I'm, you know, currently like what I'm listening to is a band called Cassiopeia, which is a Japanese fusion band from the 1970s. Wow. You need to check them out. Okay. It's no lyrics, but it's all just super groovy. Like, I love it. Japanese music is ridiculous. Oh yeah. And we'll, I'm going to touch on touch base on that later too, for sure. Um, so what, was um your influences or i should say what was what was the inst- the first instrument that you played were you in band or anything so i was in band i had a musical background okay i started um it was in middle school which i mean I, in elementary school i think they throw you in choir just whatever you know just to I did it. test you yeah, yeah i did it so kind of like test you out and stuff yeah. i did that stuff um but in middle school i wanted to do percussion but my band director was like, nah, we need more like low brass people. So they threw me on trombone. <laughs> trombone? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I played that uh, all the way like through my senior year of high school. And um, I picked up guitar when I was like 13. And I guess like what gravitated me towards that was my siblings had like all those like knockoff like play guitars and stuff like like the first acts and stuff and they would never play them and i was always interested i'm just musically inclined just to kind of be like oh i want to see what this is like and so i played on those for like the longest time and i was like you know what i would like to just you know actually like start learning guitar so how old was that uh that was about 13 like i got my i got like an electric squire yeah (laughs) that was my first guitar and then um from there I wanted to do more because um, at the time, at that point in time, I was really into like Iron and Wine, oh, yeah. um, a lot of uh, Postal Service, a bunch of Ben Gibbard stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that stuff. And um, so I wanted to get an acoustic guitar. And so I got my first acoustic was a Washburn. That was nice. Washburn. Um, nice. But I will say like my f- very first like influence of like style would probably be in like nobody probably would expect this but like jason moraz jason i could see that i could actually kind of see that just with your vocal stylings and everything like that yeah yeah, Yeah, i mean like vocally he's an extremely talented musician and also lyrically too because his method is basically just kind of putting a song out there and then lyrically just kind of coming like it's like a free form kind of I'm going to throw stuff at the wall, see what kind of sticks. Oh, yeah. And then see what kind of meaning I get behind it. And that I've kind of carried that through my songwriting. I've adapted it in a way to where, like, that's how I write music, to where I'll just write something and then I'll sit down with it and just start playing with it and I start throwing words and right. seeing, like, okay, what feelings am I getting from this? What kind of meaning do I kind of want to invoke? You know, stuff like that. Did you have a, did you have a band in high school? 
did you get a band together in high school when you when you so you get your guitar, you get the squire, you're learning how to play it, but you knew how to read music from band. Yes, because that's what helped me when I was playing piano. I played piano mm-hmm. first, and then I went to guitar, and that was the way that I was kind of my gateway into music because I could read it. Yeah, I mean, I could read charts. Yeah, for like brass, like low brass instruments and right. stuff like that. Right, but like for guitar, I never really did the chart thing. It was mostly like tabs if I was going to learn a song or just like sit down and try to figure out the chords by right. ear. But my first band was with uh, Alex Cope, Jesse Nelson, and uh, Chase Carper. And it was like a punk band because we were all into Green Day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was really into Green Day oh, in high yeah, school. Oh, yeah, man. And um, the band was called Sleep Happy. It's like, it's the feeling you get when you stay up way too late and you just get euphoric when you're just trying to fight sleep. And, and the wall's breathing. Yeah. And it's what's also yeah. called sleep happy. Yeah, so like, yeah. that was like the little pop punk band name and stuff. And it was fun. It la- uh, I, they lasted longer than me. They kicked me, <laughs> they kicked me out. <laughs> they kicked you out? For what? For what was the reason? I, I don't, I really don't know. I think they just liked being a three piece, which I get, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, yucky one's yum. I don't want to like, you know. And I was like, that's cool. And I was just doing my own thing then. Like, I think from there, it was more of like, I can see I have more control as like a solo artist, you know? And then so I started branching out that way more. So do you remember that conversation we had a long time ago about uh, the way that I illustrated myself being, I'm a guitar player that sings. Are you a singer that plays? Yeah, I'm a I'm a singer that plays guitar. You're I would of, I would say that my stronger suit is my singing than my guitar playing. Like not to say that they're they, both good. Don't let them fool you out there and listening <laughs> land. No, just, <laughs> no, no, no. So um, so after that band, how much time was it between that and and then well from high school to to college? So when you got in college, um. You, who did, who did you meet to get in with, um, uh, with like planet here? Was it, was it the open mics, uh, with Stephanie into that band or was, well, it was planet uh, here there? And then you did, did solo. So or what was it for when I went into college, I was still doing the singer songwriter thing. Right. And I think it was like my freshman year where you're just trying to like, you know, kind trying of to find, find yourself. Yeah. I'm just trying to find myself. Man, bro. You I'm, know, just, I'm just, yeah. I'm just out of here. <laughs> Yeah. But like, I'm gonna uh, play soccer, <laughs> <laughs> play a little hacky sack, my bros. <laughs> nah, um, <laughs> no, nah, I was just trying to f- like you know find my group of people essentially, you right. know the mu- the musicians in the area, right? And um, it was nice because I was um, I was seeing a girl in Richmond, and like her friend group became like my friend group too, which was pretty dope. Um, like I have a longtime friend Nathan McDermott. Um, he's from that group, which is awesome. Like he's just been a long time. Still in friend. touch with him? Oh yeah. We okay. still, yeah, we still yeah, keep okay. in close contact. Yeah. And then, um, from that group, I met Price Houston. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, he was a fantastic bass player and he plays, um, bass for, uh, Reese Hawkins band down in Nashville. The Lonely really? Owls. Yeah. Oh yeah. So shout they, out to Reese Hawkins. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so, um, Love that band, by the way. Very strangely, those old days with with them mm-hmm. and oh, Alejandro dude. and yeah, oh, yeah. that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Man. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, and also through that group, I met uh, Dexter White, 
So through that, we like we knew about each other, but then he went away to like a Disney internship program. And so through there, I was still doing my singer-songwriter thing. And then I think it was like junior year, because that's when we moved out of the dorms. And myself and like Chase, my roommate, Chase Carper, um, Nate McDermott, and uh, another friend of ours, uh, Jake Changit, we all moved in together in the same apartment. And then Dex came back, and he was like, hey, <laughs> I want to make some music. And I was like, my man. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. And that's how basically just kind of like Planet Here came about. Like he had the he had the idea for the name because it came from um, the movie Half-Baked where he goes into the shop and he pulls back the curtain and you saw that like big earth that says right there. It says Planet Here. Oh. Yeah. It's is that, like where, a, is that yeah, where it came from? Yeah, that's exactly where it when came I had, from. Because when I had Colton, Colton Bergeon, when I had him on... Uh, you know, he played in that band with yeah. you, uh, but he never, so that's where it came from. Came I from. didn't know that. Yep. All right. A little, a little tidbit for you. A little folklore <laughs> about the band because, and that, uh, that's ultimately kind of how I met you was that and open mic, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, but yeah, so planet here. So how did that become though? Were you guys just sitting around and you're like, let's do this or. I guess just people just looking to jam, make music. You know, like, I saw kind of an opening in the Murray scene to where it was needing something different. It's the good days. Those were the good days of Murray. Just so many different, like, flavors. And that's what I loved back in the day. And, like, Planet Here definitely brought that flavor to Murray. And it was a really cohesive group. Not to mention that, like, Planet here got to a point to where it was like they can be an entity like on its own. Yeah. To where like we can switch out drummers, we can switch out guitar players, you know. I'm not needed if, you know, Dex wants to do his own thing, stuff like that. But if for me though, like I still kind of did my own thing too, where I did my solo stuff. Now, would you say that you were, because I've seen you um, at the Olive, I saw you play there a couple of times. Now, uh, when I had Micah Green on, I'm just going to name drop everybody I know. When I had Micah Green on, he was talking about they were more of a house party band as opposed to being a bar band. What, where did you think that Planet, Planet Here? Here? Yeah. Oh, definitely more of a party band. How, like a house party band? Or, oh, a house or, party band. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. There was... Tell me, tell me about really one of them. I bad for telling this story. No, well, make sure it's PC. <laughs> so, oh, it's completely PC. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so there was this house party. Um, it was at Erica Maggio's, and it was like a stacked lineup. It was like Very Strangely was playing. Peacock and the Feathers were playing. Planet Here was playing. And I think Cloud Nine. Cloud Nine? Which was I don't uh, remember that. Tiffany. I'm blanking on her last name. I feel bad now. Oh, Who, she went to open mics all the time, and she killed it with with uh, Pete. Pete yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they opened the whole thing, and so there was this big old house party, and very strangely played. Yeah, and then I think some other band played. I forget who all was there, but some other band was playing, and it was packed. Like it was super packed. Yeah, and Planet Here was supposed to go last. And I feel really bad about telling this story. But so I was looking around. I was like, man, like, this 
this is about to get busted. Like, and I want to play so bad. And so I'm looking around. And I see Zach Peacock. And I'm like, hey, Zach, um, do you care? Do you want to, like, headline the show? I mean, like, what? And we just start spitballing. He's like, yeah, man. Like, we don't mind headlining the show. And I'm like, thanks. Oh, no. <laughs> no, dude. And so we play our set. And yeah. as soon as we get done, yeah. <laughs> the cops bust the whole thing. Oh man, I felt. <laughs> yeah, thanks for your spot, Zach. <laughs> I love you, dude. It was, yeah. it was funny. <laughs> so, out of planet here. Now, what ultimately kind of like broke the camel's back on on planet here is because everybody kind of moved away, or they wanted to do other things, or what? I mean, what ultimately did it? I guess I never talked to you about that of how that happened. I mean, we just kind of like had a falling out, honestly. It wasn't like a bad falling out. It was just more of like creative differences. Okay. Kind of like, you know, any kind of group. Right. Um, At that time, I was writing stuff that I wanted to do on my own that I did not want to incorporate with Planet Here. And so, and like Planet Here was going more of like, you know, a more produced, like, beat making way too like some of the songs were and that was cool like i like that difference in it but i could couldn't juggle both of them at the same time and i felt bad and like at the time like my grandfather he he did a lot for like wpsd and he basically booked all the talent for like 15 years so he has a lot of contacts and stuff and a lot of my you know musical career is help to him because he helped me kind of like get that confidence to do like did he play he played a little bit he didn't play it like a whole lot okay because i mean he always taught me to kind of be grounded and like don't get like barely don't get your ego so big to where to like inflate and think like okay this is it like no point in time like have i felt like oh i made it you know like always kind of keep level-headed you know and I've always kind of had the mentality about everything. That's what, I mean, that's probably why I can't, I suck at getting compliments because I can't take them well. No, I, I, <laughs> no, I understand where you're coming from because I've had this conversation with our friends too about how, um, when someone comes up to you after a show and they're like, man, that set blew me away, man, blew my mind. You're like, th- th- thank you. Thank But it's yeah. like, we can never just be like, I know, right? <laughs> it was awesome. Like, no, because, because no, we're that. just, you know, it's, and it's not like it's going to deflate us if they don't say anything. Yeah. But at the same time, we kind of want it a little bit. Like I'll take a compliment, I mean, but it, at the same time, I won't. It's weird. It's like, Am I am I wrong here? You're or? not wrong because I mean, in, in there's in every performer there's that want for attention. There's that you know need for like gratification of what you're throwing out there. Yeah. And if you say that there's not, you're lying because then why are you doing it? <laughs> yeah. You know. Exactly. Then like, because I mean, you know, I'm. It's it's a dual. It's a weird duality of being like you know, I want to be up there on stage playing my music. You right. know. Right. With, Claps and adoration, and then afterwards, don't give me any, <laughs> give me any compliments yeah, whatsoever. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, it's a it's a fine line we walk, you know. So, so out of so out of planet here, you're kind of get. I mean, you still you kind of established yourself from from like the solo, and then you you proved that you could play in a band, and then out of that, did that 
become Big Atomic, or did it was something before Big Atomic? So at the time that Planet Hair was kind of dissolving, yeah, Big Atomic was coming about. It was there. Was it always there? Yeah. Well, like underlying. Kind of yes, and kind of no, because okay. some of the people that played in Planet Hair, right, played in Big Atomic, mm-hmm. like Colton, Colton Burge, mm-hmm. uh, Morgan McCall. And then I think Micah Green might have sat in for like a couple of gigs. For I thought he dipped in, yeah, for a little bit. Yeah, he dipped in for a little bit. But like those those dudes, like they were kind of like like the found the founding members of Big Atomic right. were Morgan McCall, Micah Green, myself, and Colton Birch. Colton, like yeah. that was the original setup. Right. And then we recorded four songs at Loud and Clear. Right. Um, oh, man, that was like that was way back. And then, um, and that's when we just started playing with Big Atomic and we started going that route and that started forming on its own after playing here. Because after that, I moved out of the apartment that I was in with like Dex and Nate at the time. Cause we were, we were living above Bradley bookstore and, uh, I think everybody lived above <laughs> Bradley. Seriously, man. I think literally in, in that big apartment, right? Yeah. The, the big apartment. Yeah. I had I had a couple of friends that lived up there too. I mean, it was a crash house. Oh, it was. It was a crash house. Like, and if you wanted to like get in a weird party situation, that oh, was no, that it was, was it. Yeah, yeah. There's so many there's so many parties. Oh, I know there. that I've off oh. off mic. We'll talk about it. But, <laughs> but I mean, it's but it was that spot. So above Bradley. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, but so where did you guys have a practice spot that you went to or? What was your practice place, or did you practice for, uh, there for Big Atomic? Yeah. Oh, we never. No, there was no. No, we practice. never practiced. We yeah. never practiced at all. <laughs> um, no, because at the time, um, Morgan McCall had his house in uh, Murray. I forget where he was living on. It was like really close to campus. Yeah, where was he? Was close though. Yeah. So yeah. like, we just went over to his place and jammed. Cool. And that's where we had practice, and then Micah got his house on. Not Sycamore. Was it Sycamore? Sycamore. Was it Sycamore? Yeah, where he lived with Kayla. The first house they had. Yeah, and he had that basement. That's when that's then that's. And I went to that basement and we practiced that time. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. that was good. So, um, out of Big Atomic, uh, and you did uh, what was the run that you did on Big Atomic? The run that the run that you were with Big Atomic. How long ago? How long did you do that? Is what I meant. Man, okay. was it two years, three? It was at least, I think, three years, mm-hmm. three or four. Because, um, I mean, I know that it was probably, let's see, 2023, 2024. No, I'm not well. Well, I'm way off. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in the future now. I'm in the future, bro. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast will be heard next year, man. <laughs> I meant to say 2013, 2014. I think that's when it started coming about. Okay. And then um, I know that I left about like 2017. Yeah. Um, Back to the solo? Yeah, back to doing solo stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because that's a comfort zone. I know it was for me. Oh, yeah. When I left the bands and I went back to that, I was like, okay. I can kind of hone in one on my craft of playing, like going back and getting down to grassroots of playing stuff. And then, you know, people would be like, Hey, 
if you want to sit in, you could do that. But like sitting in for me was always yeah, kind of awkward. Well, like after Big Atomic, I kind of went to like a really bad depression. And yeah. I like for a, like I thought it was going to be for a long period of time, but it was really short because I was like, man, I do enjoy playing music. You just need a moment but to yourself. Like, Everybody yeah, needs that. And I guess that's what I really needed. Um, but then like, I guess for the longest time, I had like a really bad writer's block of being like I got in my head about trying to do better than I did before you know and I think a lot to of please other people no, or to do it's a, it was a personal thing personal okay it's to where like I set this goal for myself okay. that I felt was achievable but anything that I created I didn't like and so it was the dilemma of you know having the pressures of you know creating something that you know, that you want to, you know, be better than the last thing you created. Yeah, yeah I and, struggle with that, man. And I think, and what kind of freed me from that was just like, like, everything under the sun has already been, you know, created. It's already happened. You know, there's nothing really new. And it's, it's hard, yeah, it's hard to say that. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's really hard to say that because, I mean, like, a good example would be, would be just like the consumption of pop music and it's all the same you know like there's nothing really you know distinct about it there's a market for it people eat that stuff up whatever here and there michael did it the best yeah (laughs) (laughs) whatever you talk i mean the dude's the king of pop for a reason yeah yeah. and he and he's no longer with us but dude if you but like pop music then and pop music now though you know yeah like you're talking about like quincy jones on the track like oh. laying it down, you're talking about Michael Jackson, like no auto tunes, like just natural, just like. Ugh. But like, I know it's sick. But yeah, it's just I think I have a more abstract way of looking at music now, to where like I don't feel I don't feel the pressure of being like oh I'm not, I need to write something that's you know phenomenal. No, I'm just gonna write whatever I feel and I don't care. You know, it's just I broke through that barrier of just you know um, putting that expectation on myself. You know, because like a good example of this would be like back in ancient Greek and stuff like that. Uh, I'm trying so hard not to curse. Can I, I curse? No. No? Okay. Trying, just making sure. Trying to work okay. on it. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing a really good job. <laughs> Me too. Me too. It's just it's just natural. I so uh, back in ancient Greek times, you know, they talked about the muses and stuff where poets would create stuff. Yeah. And it wouldn't be the poets creating it. It would be the muses that created it through them. To give it so to them. So it yeah. kind of takes that pressure off of the poet. To where it gives it to this entity to where like oh i feel inspired to do this instead of like i'm doing it myself and i need to like create it so i'm taking more like that kind of mentality okay. not to say like you know you, there's you can be inspired by stuff but you know not to say it's like some being takes over my body and <laughs> that would make for a better story <laughs> yeah, that yeah would no, be. no 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 <laughs> what so as far as writing goes um and i have touched base on this and other podcasts and everything and i just want to just you know kind of tickle your funny bone about it or tickle your thought process. Mm. So what I do and see if this relates to you and it probably doesn't, what I'll do is I'll write a name of a song. I'll come up with the name Mm -hmm. and I build the whole song off of that. Mm -hmm. 
And then I kind of try to do a haiku way or an onomatopoeia kind of way of doing a rhyme scheme. I want to try to make things rhyme. I can't end phrases where they're just, they die and then they go, I can't, my mind doesn't do that. So I have to have a rhyme scheme. If you listen to my stuff, there's a flow to it. Mm -hmm. There's a, but I don't know how you do it. For me, it's more of the first thing that comes is just the riff or like the chord progression. Like that comes first and foremost. Like I want to lay down like a foundation before anything else. Like I might have like a, melody in my head or like some kind of like melodic form I want to do. Right. And I might chunk out like a chord progression. I can get that melody in, but most of the time I'm writing chords first. I'm writing, I'm writing the body of the song first. Lyrics come like last for me. Like I write a whole song and then I look at it as like a puzzle and I go, okay, I want, I have this part to work with. I have I can do this with this phrase or I can change it up and do the melody this way and have this many words to work with, or I can change the melody up this way and I can add like a few words if I wanted to get more rhythmic with it. Or if you have a hook and then you use that Mm -hmm. and you're like, like this, this I know is going to be the chorus or this is going to be the pre-chorus or something. I don't write bridges. I don't think of bridges. I don't like bridges. They're weird and they don't make sense to me. I'd be like verse, verse, chorus verse chorus like and some people would be like chorus verse pre-chorus but i a bridge well, i can't do that most old style nine minutes that's how it was was just verse chorus verse chorus verse, yeah you know there w- really wasn't a bridge you know and bridges to me are just really awkward because it's like i i understand like from the writing concept of like a bridge what you can do with it yeah but it just feels so awkward to me and what I've done instead, because when I used to write songs, I would just put like, I'd just be doing a verse and just not do anything back up with it, which was boring. But now it's like I'm I'm creating a bridge that's something new, but it's rhythmically different. I'm doing something like, you know, very like ELO-ish with it, kind of like, you know, putting more rhythm onto okay. it, doing something different than from what the song is. You know, taking you out into like a different, like, oh, this is a different version of the song, you know, not the same. So I try to do a different kind of spin on it. So this brings a perfect segue into King Kaiju, which Mm -hmm. is the new uh, outfit that you're in now of existing dudes that have been from other bands and a lot of very, you know, people that we love very dearly to Mm -hmm. us, not just on a music sense. (laughs) Yeah. Um, how is the writing for that? Is it new, like new songs or stuff that you've been sitting on and you're bringing it into light or so, or is it a mixed bag of, I mean, of what I would say like a majority of those songs are stuff that I've wrote. Okay. Um, riffs, um, that kind of stuff. Like most of it is, my creation but i do like interpretation upon it like right. if somebody want to do something different or suggest something different like it's really cool because the writing process also to me it doesn't end with me going okay this song's done i'm ready to play it it's the life of the song it's it's yeah. from it's 
the song is an entity in itself. It's always going to be tweaked upon. It's always going to be improved upon. I'm not going to like certain things about it. I might do something different down the line. I might change the song up completely later. Like I like doing that stuff. And a big influence of that would be an artist called like uh, Daniel Romano. You need to check him out. He has some tasty stuff. You have to give me a, a list of some stuff. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, but it gives new breath and new life to song. Because if you just go, okay, I wrote this song, signed, sealed, delivered, I'm done. Like, that's it. Like, you kind of, like, stunt yourself musically in a way. Because, you know, why not let that song breathe and, like, see how it does in different, you know, light. You know, try something different with it. You might like it, you know. And that that doesn't have to be like the final end of the song. You know, it's always just going to be growing and evolving. You know. Yeah the uh, the whole thing about uh, like the different the differences between um, like the full band version of a song mm-hmm. that an artist plays, and then they strip it down and do an acoustic version. Well, obviously, if it's a fast song, band-wise, you're not going to play it fast on an acoustic. Exactly, yeah. So it all kind of depends. Now, when you write a song, do you do it on acoustic and then transfer it? Or most, do you play it on electric and then play it, end it? Most electric. of the time I'm writing, I'm writing acoustic. on acoustic. Yeah, yeah. of course. Because um, that's kind of how I do things ever since, you know, I stopped playing electric. I have an electric, but I don't, you know, I don't play it much. So... How is the King Kaiju stuff going? Because I've listened to some of it, man, and it's it's great. And it seems it seems like you're back in your element with a band, but it's kind of like on your terms, and you're like more comfortable with mm-hmm. it. Is that is that my wrong in saying that? Or yeah, I kind of like to think of it's like <laughs> it's like the remnants of you know big atomic. It definitely has that big atomic feel. Okay, you know? yeah, because it's definitely like it's a little rockier. That's on yeah. That's that's been on purpose. That's my that's okay. my spice to it. Little Alice in Chains, a little bit. I wanted it to kind of a, a part of it. I wanted it to be more of like a '90s revival, perfect kind of thing. I'm in it to where like and like the '90s were like a perfect time for music too because it's the best. The, the '90s were the '60s revival of music. At well, that time. I mean, look at it like that. I mean, the shirt that Ryan has on right now is a Seinfeld shirt. I know you guys in listener <laughs> land can't see it. But Seinfeld was nineties. Yeah, nineties, yeah. And it was it was an era of music and just like Ryan touched on was so if nineteen sixty nine, the Woodstock, okay, that was the end of that era yeah. for good really good music. And then the seventies came with disco and all that other garbage. But seventies had some good stuff. No, and had, I'm not saying it didn't, but <laughs> I but, will say though, yes, if we didn't have disco, we wouldn't have Nirvana. Because what Dave Grohl used a lot of the time was a disco flam. It was a Gap band. It was Gap told. Yeah, gap he band. stole. Yeah. yeah, he stole. He he even tell you himself he stole. <laughs> but no, the 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 best the best part about like all the stuff from like 1969. I had this conversation with my stepdad, and that's why I think it's relevant now. Is he said 1969 was the era of that. And then there was a lull, and then the 90s came, and then it, music was new again. Because, I mean, like, the 80s was just, like, a repeat of the 70s, but uh-huh. in, a, like, a weird, a weirder tone. Like, because I grew up in the 80s, so I know about the weird, you know, that came on. 
I think like there was some, I think there was some good bands that came out of that era. Like you have Toto. Toto was a great band that came out of Duran, this. Duran, 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 Tears Duran. for Fears. Yeah, although like they stand like the test of time. Like if you like in that era, you know. Oh yeah, um, the Cure, Rick James. <laughs> Dude, Rick James, his first album, you can't put that on and tell me that's not good. Well, and Prince. Oh, Prince. See, no, come on. exactly. I know. I'm not saying I'm not saying the the 80s didn't bring something yeah. to the table. It's just it's not an era that I was like, "Yay!" It wasn't I think, I think it wasn't what, like the 90s. I think what you're referring to is yeah. more of like the the evolution of music becoming more marketable more mainstream more because i mean like sure like you had all those stuff like the beatles were just the you know the, the thing and stuff like that they were the essentially the first boy band you know <laughs> absolutely and so like but like you know led zeppelin black sabbath you know they didn't have the kind of exposure that you would have with bands like you know in like the 80s or like you know the 90s like they would, be, the they would be bigger than they were you know and this is before the internet yeah. like if you had had the internet when like Alice in Chains and Nirvana were out oh dude <laughs> yeah that would have been insane yeah insane and I and I I think we we hold the same affinity for Nirvana that's the whole reason why I play guitar and I think a, it a lot of other people share that same opinion you know he um Nirvana actually I I would say they were an influence, but I appreciated um, Kurt's Kurt's appreciation of John Lennon and the Beatles because mm-hmm. when they recorded, I think, uh, never mind, uh, he recorded the chorus only one time, and that was it. And the producer's like, why don't you do it again? And he was like, no, I just want to do it one time. And he was like, well, it makes it fuller. And they just had this back and forth. And the producer was like, well, John Lennon recorded it twice to make it fuller. And Kurt was like, okay, well, I'll do it again. I guess I'll do it again. And so, like, you know, even, like, I think this is a beautiful thing about music because in some way, shape, or form, it always goes back to, like, a singular point to where it's like, you know, you're paying homage to somebody that's influenced you in some way, shape, or form, you know? I believe that Kurt believed in simplicity uh, as far as his, oh, yeah. his one, his setup, like his amp setup and everything. His pedal board was really simple, too. Now, I saw a picture of your pedal board. Get nerdy with me for a minute. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you got on your, your board right now? Like, what do you, is there, is there anything that it's missing that you'd like to add or what are you running stock right now? What do you got? So right now, um, I have a, my favorite pedal right now that I got was a recent edition. It's a PDF two stone deaf. It's, um, modeled after PDF one and it gives it, you can get that PDF one feel, but you have more range with it with the two. Um, is it a distortion pedal? It's a overdrive pedal, but it's overdrive. also it has a dirty overdrive as well. So he has a clean overdrive and a dirty overdrive. Ugh. And a lot of it, it's basically heavy influenced by Queen of the Stone Age. And that's why I got that pedal. And I was like, I don't Because you're a Josh Ami fan. Oh, dude, I love Queen yeah, of the Stone Age. Yeah, for a lot of people yeah, like, that don't realize out there, um, Ryan is a big Queens of the Stone Age fan. Yeah. He uh, really, really enjoys them a lot. And as... As you should, and if you're a, a, a Caius fan, 
Um, okay. You yeah. Know, like the, the original stuff that he was doing. Um, Josh Homme, one, is a six foot five, like giant human being, <laughs> and he has anger issues. He, if you watch just YouTube that, guys, I ask you to look up that on YouTube of videos of him losing his mind on crowd. <laughs> Uh, he's, he's an angry individual, but he's a, he's a great guitar player. Fantastic music. The, and if you get into them, get into, uh, them crooked vultures, them crooked vultures. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and the stuff, I mean, the whole, he was in like a couple episodes of, uh, Anthony Bourdain too. Well, yeah, they were like best friends. They were best friends. Yeah. They were best friends. Yeah. But, um, so, so you have that overdrive pedal. Do you have a you have a delay pedal or a reverb pedal or? I have a um, oh, what's it called? It's the um, PHS. Who makes it? I think is that the brand? Hold I on, I have to look it up. I don't know. I forgot the name of it. I'm drawing a blank. It's like a PHS three series, and they're uh, they came out recently. I think it was like a couple years ago, and. Um, I have a chorus pedal from them. I have a delay pedal from them. Um, oh, it's a JHS pedal. JHS, that's what it is. Why are they PHS? JHS. JHS. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, okay. and his name I'm is Josh. I'm a hack and a fraud. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a terrible musician. <laughs> Isn't it J, uh, Josh, right? His The guy that makes those JHS, yes. right? It's okay, Josh. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm dumb. That's a weird... We, we went roundabout with Josh Homme back to a Josh. That was a, just a weird... <laughs> we're going to get there. And then I have a, um, a Boss Flanger. I like that a lot. The old standard. No, the, basically yeah. just the old. The, yeah, this whole standard. But you mix. can't beat that old. Nah. Man, those old pedals are fantastic. Oh, and I have a um, a, a big muff pie, like this, the small one, a the real small one? version. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, not the not one, a clone. The one that's like, like modeled after um, Smashing Pumpkins. The the post the pre op or the op the op yeah the yeah. op yeah. Funny story that you brought up Billy Corgan on that. He made that pedal absolutely famous. Oh yeah. I mean, Jimi Hendrix. He he. You know, he did it. That was like his thing. But what re the resurgence of it was, was Siamese yeah. Dream was that yeah. record. And he he was on tour. And I read this article. It's funny. It's, oh man, it's so great that you brought that up. So what he did was his pedal went out. His big muff pedal went out. And he went to a guitar center when he was on tour with Smashing Pumpkins mm-hmm. back in the nineties, and he was like, he's like, um, yeah, I want to, I want to buy this big muff. How, how much is it? He was like, it's three hundred dollars. And back then, it wasn't, it yeah. wasn't that much, but but still, but he was like three three hundred. Why? And he's like, because of you, because of, <laughs> of you. And he's like, what do you mean? Because of me? He's like, because everybody that comes in here, they want to sound like you. Mm-hmm. And they did that whole record with the big muff. Which is yep. crazy, yeah. That's that's wild that you brought that up. But he, but he like turned up the sustain on it, I think. And yeah. he was just like, "Yes, I want this sound through the whole album." So you were on uh, the WKMS a long time ago, weren't you? For uh, the Big Atomic, uh, we did um, we did a live lunch. Yeah, we also did um, the Battle of the Bands. I think yeah. it was in. Tr- 2015 and we won we won that year which was really cool and then we played we played for WKMS live at uh, Love It which Savage Radley opened for us yes 
who is SG Goodman now. Right, right, right. And then uh, I cursed on live uh, radio. That was awesome. That was really awkward. Yeah, because like we were playing our last song. We were playing Letting Go. And there was that part, you know, like, do you remember when I used to love you? That part? Yeah. And so we had the build up and I was going to be like, hey, thank you all for coming out. We love you so much. Da, da, da. And I was just so excited. I was so amped up. And I was like, thank you all for co- like for coming out. We love you so f- much. And I just stopped. And everyone was like, oh. And I was just, oh, one, two, three. You F-bombed it on oh, live? On it live. Oh. One of my prouder moments. Yeah, dude, wear that proudly. Dude. Dude. So I got to ask you this because I asked random things when I had Addison Milford on. We talked about wrestling and some stuff like mm. that. But uh, what is what's your favorite game? And the and the, here's here's the question. Here's the question. In the past, what was your favorite game? The first like game that really got you into like playing video games. What was the first one? Mega Man X. It's Mega Man. That's right. You're a Mega. Why don't you have a Mega Man tattoo? Oh, uh, that's gonna be. Oh, coming it's coming, up. Yeah. right? So, like, my whole left leg is gonna be a um, video game sleeve. So, what's the present game? I know you're a Persona fan. Oh, dude, I love Persona. Yeah. Um, currently, right now, um, I just got done playing the Resident Evil Four remake, and which is fantastic. Okay. Because um, I want to play that. It's on my list. It's. It builds a lot upon the lore that happens in four, the original four. Yeah, like it doesn't really change a whole lot up. Um, it pretty stays, you know, the same. But it just adds so much more to it. It's it's oh, just so it's really good. It's really good. And what's the future game you're looking forward to? Like what's coming out? Um, probably Final Fantasy 16. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, I was man. gonna say because you're a PS5 owner. Yeah. I'm PS5 yeah. See, I've yeah. got the Series X, which I love, and there's a lot of things. Oh, Game Pass is awesome. Oh yeah, I got the Game Pass, but I'm I'm waiting for the new Star Wars, the Jedi Survivor. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm waiting for that. That's that's my big thing. Now let me follow that up as far as fantasy goes. What's your favorite anime? Dude, my favorite anime. Hmm. Okay, it's an anime. It's a Shonen Jump. It's called uh, Yu Yu Hakusho. Yep, I've heard of yeah. that. I've heard of that. It's a basically it's like a precursor to um, Bleach. Yep, because it's by the same person. Yep. Um, also, a lot of the manga design um, they had the same artists in Hunter Hunter. If you watch the anime Hunter Hunter, um, there's little tidbits of Yu Yu Hakusho in there. Uh, but yeah, it was. Super cool show when I was like a little kid. I think I was like not a little kid, but like 13, 14. Just ate that stuff up. Just, nom, 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 nom. Well, I was into uh, Ninja Scroll. Oh, that's an old school. Yeah. Old school anime. I'm into Ninja Scroll. Obviously, we both have a love for Akira. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've never seen Akira out in listener land, it'll blow your mind. Uh, don't watch it near anybody that <laughs> is squeamish about anything. <laughs> Because it gets a little graphic there for a minute. Because yeah. I've been wanting to show it to my kids, and I'm like, wait, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> these kids, they'll be traumatized if I ever showed them Akira. Yeah. I also, you know, like I said, Ninja Scroll, Outlanders was another one. If you never okay. saw that, that's an old school. Uh, Fist of the North Star was uh, really, really awesome. Mm-hmm. If you want to get into s- stuff like that, I can't get into One Punch, uh, you know, uh, or anything like that. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, 
I like I never got into Dragon Ball. Uh, I got into like the Street Fighter stuff for a little bit, okay, like yeah. the original stuff, and I thought that was that was really really neat. What kept you from liking Dragon Ball and stuff? <laughs> the reason why I can never get into Dragon Ball is I don't need uh, half a season to <laughs> charge, um, <laughs> charge up a power blast. I want you to go ahead and get that I stuff did, done no. and wrap it up maybe in two episodes. I, I will say, as a kid, that was the biggest bummer when, like, you're just waiting, <laughs> waiting for something to happen. Because if like, he unleashes it, he kills yeah. everything. Like, I remember like, watching, it was the Frieza saga, and Frieza goes in his final form, and Goku's charging up that spirit bomb. And everybody is just getting their butts like brutally, like just beaten, destroyed. And Goku, it's like it's like seven episodes long. We've been just charging it up and just freezing, just just laying it down, and everybody else. And Goku's like, just give me a minute. <laughs> so has minute. so has someone speaking of laying it down? Has has someone tamed you down? Is there someone in your life right now that's? Oh yeah, that's that's locked down the the untamable Ryan Gilchrist. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, I got, I got a girl, I got a girl now. So yeah. Well, well who is she? Oh, her name is uh, Kate. Yeah, yeah, she's. Uh, I've met her. She's a lovely woman. Oh yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. Uh, hell of a photographer too. I know. Yeah, yeah, like, I'd like her to do some stuff for the hash browns. Oh yeah, she'd be happy to. Yeah, just have to yeah. hit her up because she's, she's super busy. Like, ah, man, like, I think she started. Oh man, I think she started like a year ago, and like she just. I guess never really get had anybody in her corner to kind of like, Hey, like you got this, like, why don't you do it? Right. You know? And I just kind of was like, you know, Hey, I'm, I do this music stuff, you know, creative partner. If you yeah, will. As a cre- yeah. I'm just a creative partner. And I'm like, Hey, like, you know, why don't you just give it a go? You have nothing to lose, you know, and you're super talented. So, so it's odd to me that you're in a relationship with a woman, but you have, you're also a cat daddy too. <laughs> So you have your love of the feline as as when you came into the studio today, mm-hmm. didn't you see all my oh, cats? Oh yeah, they were just waiting for me. They're ready for you. <laughs> you you draw. They're drawn to you. Yeah, you have the animal magnetism <laughs> about it. So where would you say is your uh, favorite places to play right now? Like, would you say bullies at the top or or cigar bar or what? Like, what's you're you're kind of a Paducah mainstay, and you kind of have been for a while. Yeah. But where where are you now with? I mean, don't. I mean, it's. We don't want to say favoritism, but what's the place that you really, really like playing right now? Well, I can like. I don't. I don't want like. There's no such thing as like. I would say favoritism when it comes to that. But but like, I think the no best... one listens to me anyways. No. <laughs> <laughs> like we heard what you said. We listened to Josh's podcast, new songs, and you. You're done here. <laughs> you're fired. You're done. Um. The best crowds I've had so far have been at the old fashioned cigar bar. Yeah. They're su- like the people in there are very like responsive. Yeah. And like you don't get that a whole lot at other places. Nope. Like and I and I get that. Like I think some musicians need to like reel their expectations back. Being a like, lot. Oh, I'm playing at like this bar and grill and if I don't get the claps or the admiration I deserve, I'm gonna you know, and it's just like I'm packing it you're up. You're a live yeah. jukebox, bro. That's why you have that's why you're there. They're paying you to be a jukebox, you yeah. know? 
like if if you're playing at a venue that's actually for music, you know, that's a different story, you know? Like like Paducah Beerworks? Like Paducah that's definitely I would say That's that. a venue. That's definitely a venue and they yeah. have a legit setup. Like I oh, mean, like when we did that show with you. That was Oh I mean, yeah, that yeah, was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun and the sound system there is just ridiculous. Oh, they have the best sound system there. It's yeah. crazy and the guy doing the sound is a lovely human being as well. Forget uh, his name though. I'm drawing a Brandon? blank. Is Randon? Yeah, 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 yeah. I I love that dude. What can you tell me about um, the shows there? Are they are they animal friendly? Hmm. Are they? Apodaca Beer Works. Well, I mean, any of them because I mean, you're allowed to bring in Terry the Tipoponymus. Like, <laughs> is yes. he allowed to come in those venues? He, uh, can you he, tell me about he's Terry? An, an emotional support animal. Okay, I was but he's say. also an integral part of King Kaiju. He handles all the financial. He's part of King yeah, Kaiju. He's okay. like the head of the uh, like the financial. Um, he's green side of things. for he's, all the people out there. Yeah, he's he's green. green too. Yeah, yeah, so. green with envy or yes. No, okay, because <laughs> he's a tipper, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 I liked I like Terry. I want to meet him someday. He looks is he single? I mean, uh, Terry is single and ready to mingle. So, let me ask you this, Ryan. Where did where did your love of Blue Moon come from? Um, honestly, or where did it start? Because as long as I've known you, Price Houston got me onto him. Did he? Yeah. Okay. He, um, With the orange slices, because that's the way we used to have them. At uh, yeah, the olive, was, the old olive days. <laughs> I forget when the first time we had a blue. I think it was like, it was back. I think freshman year of college, and like it was me when Murray was Nate. was dry. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> the, the days we had to drive, drive all the way to Tennessee. Oh Y'all don't know, like seriously, they don't tell them. Tell like him. driving all the way down to like how long did it take like 30 40 minutes and if you were going of... to get liquor it was down Whitlock you had to go all the way to Paris yep you had to go all the way down to Paris but you could get right at Reds and Max's because they had that yeah. that was right there and Dirty Red the big guy with the red beard was there and he would harass you and he was oh. yeah because that was back when we used to play spiders we did a oh, long time man. ago yeah see I didn't have the yeah like so we had. All of that stuff, but um, Man, I bet those were like some. They were wild days, but yeah, but Blue Moon has has been a mainstay to you, just like with with Mike of Newcastle. Remember all the stuff? Oh yeah, with the with the big cheese, and they had Newcastle, mm-hmm. Newcastle. I said, why didn't you try to get an endorsement from them? And he said, man, I don't lost opportunity. I guess <laughs> uh, I don't know. So, in in conclusion, and kind of wrapping up, what is where I mean, what do you see yourself doing with this? Do you see you doing this for a while? I mean, you've been doing it a long time, just like me. We've been doing this a long yeah. time. Well, I think recently I've kind of like put my nose to the grindstone a little bit harder than I usually have. I see. And yeah, you are on that grind. I noticed that, man. I if you're if you're a fan of of Ryan's uh Facebook, if you want to go ahead and plug that right now. Oh yeah, just um you can check me out on Facebook and Ryan Gilchrist Music. Yeah, you can check out uh, King Kaiju there as well. Uh, also on the Instagrams. And then uh, we also have a YouTube page at King Kaiju Band. You check us out. Get us those uh, views and likes and subscribes and stuff like that. That way you can <laughs> check them all out and see what King Kaiju's up to. And they're on the rise, literally coming out of the waters to destroy any mm-hmm. venue that they play. Yes. That's kind of their tagline. Um we 
are going to be opening for you Cinco de Mayo yes, at, at the, the Apple. Apple. Um, is there any other shows that you want to plug while you've got the, the floor? Uh, let's see. Um, coming up. When's this podcast coming out? I will post it today. Today? Okay. Well, then um, next, this coming Friday, we'll be at Wings Etc. in Mayfield. It's we'll a be, fun venue. We played yeah. there. Yeah, it's fun. Um, we'll be playing with uh, High Noon Moon. We'll be opening for them. And then Cinco de Mayo, uh, you'll be opening for us mm-hmm. at the Apple and also uh, Barely Blue. We'll be there as well. Uh, let's see. On May 20th, they're doing this event called Cars and Cigars. Essentially, it's uh, downtown Paducah Live, but they just changed up the name. They're going to close down Broadway. And you'll be opening us. What? Yep, opening us. I'll be opening you. <laughs> yes. Get yes. ready. No, it's uh, it'll be my it'll but it'll be my three piece outfit, the Folk Force Three. Oh yeah. Um. Uh. Both the Cinco de Mayo show and the uh, Cars and Cigars uh, outfit. Now, if you're not familiar with the live on Broadway, is what what it used to be called, uh, I believe. Um. They just like Ryan said, they shut down Broad. And the bands play literally on Broad Street, um, and uh, it's it's pretty cool. It's super cool. Yeah, the, they have a lot of uh, it's a it's a good sound. You wouldn't think it would be, but it's in between the buildings, and it's uh, it's pretty rad setup. I gotta ask you: Do you plan on staying around in Murray? Or are you moving? Are you thinking about moving? Or oh, uh, well, currently right now, like we're in the kind of the process. Kate and I are you know thinking about moving in together and stuff and so um if i I was murray though uh it might be looking that way where i'd be leaving murray but i would be still like in the western kentucky area okay so yeah i'd still be here um because i mean i feel i feel attached to murray in a way because i mean i'm doing um the showcases up at gallery x i like to keep that going um you're kind of the forerunner for that uh yeah i'm but like you know, shout outs to like uh, Jay Harville. He's a, a, the owner. Uh, let me do this. Like it was his idea, and I was kind of like, "Hey, like, yeah. if you're looking for somebody to facilitate this idea, like, I'm, I'm all for it. I have contacts, you yeah. know, and we can reach out from there, you know." And I kind of wanted to essentially rebuild the music scene in Murray, but I mean, like, it's not just me. It's just like everybody's helping to participate as well. So it's not like you know a one man, you know one main operation it's everybody i like to think it is so is there any standouts of people that you know the listeners should be on the lookout for of artists that you've that people should be hip to that are new names that we don't know of or anything that stands out i mean like anybody i if i was on the say anybody probably be just people that are local you know like um you know, Melanie Davis. I mean, everybody knows her. Fate. Uh, Fate. Yeah. Um, you know, Kayla Little, her band, uh, Little by Little. Um, Aaron Keys, he has a show today at... Um, at Dan Brew House. Dan Brew House. Yeah. He is releasing his album that he recorded up at Loud and Clear with Shelby. And so that's going to be a good time for him. Because, I mean, I think um, I got him up at the showcase one time. And he did a really good job. Like, and I think that's what a big thing about the showcase is, is trying to bring in the, bring in these artists and right. like kind of give them that, you know, stage to be like, Hey, 
work on your original stuff. Like, you know, nobody's here to judge you. This is a place of artistry. You know, we all are cut from the same cloth. You know, just do your thing. We'll then give you feedback if you want it. You know, that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, who else? Um, you. <laughs> no, no, nobody cares about me. <laughs> uh, Yokai is pretty dope. They're from Paducah. They're a, I think, I think uh, they would call themselves, I guess, thrash punk. They're a thrash punk band. Yeah. Uh, Hollerhead's neat. Uh, J- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're great. And uh, Sean Brown used to play with them. Oh, really? I did not know that. For a little a little stint, he was playing with them. And then, yeah, and then he left that band. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to reach out to them. Yeah, let them know cool. that. Also, too, if nobody is aware of what's going on, shout out to Sean Brown and congratulations on his baby. Oh, yeah. They had an Earth Day baby. Yeah. That's they had a, cool. They had a baby, Cassidy Rose Brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's a beautiful little girl. So shout out to you, Sean Brown. Ryan, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you as a human being and a musician. Uh, you have been a lovely friend to me for many, many years. And uh, I can't imagine this music world without you. So thank you for your time, sir. Cool. I don't take compliments well. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> What's that? Like, I, don't ta- I don't take compliments well. <laughs> <laughs> you're fine. Thank you, brother. I you're, love you. You're like, like just yeah. shut up. Yeah. No, you've been you've been a big integral part of the Murray music scene, and like you know, a lot of a lot of my solo stuff, I look up to you a lot because you showed me that like you know you can still enjoy music and do so. You can do, do it your without, own thing. Yeah, yeah you, you know. can do it without it. But you know, I I am proud of what you're doing right now. Uh, the King Kaiju plus the names super cool um and the whole lore behind that is really really cool but what you're doing right now is really cool and i'm proud of you and i'm proud of everybody that's in the band so uh and i appreciate any time i get to jump on uh a show with my friends so oh, of course, anyways guys signing off this is new songs podcast i'm your host josh brown ryan gilchrist we'll see you guys later thanks bye